sex talk Derek and Miley Cause sexuality is tough And okay sex just isn't good enough No Sex talk With Derek and Miley Hey folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. I have the wonderful Dr. Rachel Allen with me. Uh, this episode's called Pleasure to the People, folks. Like we're gonna we're gonna get in deep to bodies and pleasure today. Dr. Rachel Allen has been an author and a licensed holistic psychologist for almost 20 years, specializing in body mind medicine, relationship therapy, and sexual health. She helps individuals and couples cope with their mood, life transitions, relationship challenges. Guess what, y'all? Rachel does telemedicine and offers retreats throughout the year. Rachel, thank you for being here. I'm excited to be here. The pleasure's all mine. Oh. <laughs> Pleasure. So we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about coming back to the body. You and I have talked, we got to chat for a long time before we ever started recording this. And I really do appreciate your perspective of the the power that the body has. And you've written so much about this, and y'all are going to get to find out and re read all of Rachel's work. Don't worry. We got that for you. So I, I, I wonder, you know, can you talk to the audience about how disconnected uh, we are from our bodies, specifically pleasure, and, and how you as a person and a clinician came to this understanding? Yes. Okay. Two important questions. Well, at least the first one's real important. How <laughs> how did we get here? And I guess my first answer would really connect them both, which is to say that I think I always root for the underdog. Mm. And when we think about the system of human beings and how uh, the body sort of the underdog as far as our emotional body and that role it plays relative to the mind. Think of mm -hmm. how we elevate the mind is rational and, and the seed of all reason and everything is about our brain figuring everything out. And that's a lot of pressure to put on, put on that part it of is. us. It uh, is. Right? We're not this like, I, what, I can't remember which one of my favorite uh, researchers says this, that we're not just a brain with two popsicle sticks walking around. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right. Oh, we're so much more and it's all, it's delicious, all the other stuff as well. So uh, something about me and my personality loves to name what isn't being named or to root for the underdog. And I, and then that combined with the fact that just in my own life, I've always was an athlete. I, well, and I, mm -hmm. I guess still am to some extent, uh, which I now realize was my medicine growing up and it remains mm -hmm. movement is my medicine. So I think that it's from my own personal experience of how my body and connecting to it. And then, uh, you know, both with sports and then with my yoga teacher training has mm -hmm. really regulated me, um, re regulated both, uh, my relationship to my emotions, my relationship with, with balance and rest and food. And mm -hmm. it's every day it's a practice, but, and I'm always learning and trying to listen to my body and, you know, it's, it's a balancing act, but, I know a lot of us, right? We're in front of screens mm -hmm. or we, or we don't feel comfortable in our body because there's been trauma or we we're always trying to manage and control it. Mm. Uh, we're overriding it because hustle culture tells us that we need Ooh. to. <laughs> so I could go on, but I don't want to, I guess I'll, I'll let you, I know you probably have some things to say as well. I seriously, like you just said like five things we can spend mm -hmm. like an hour each on. Like mm -hmm. I, just said, I was like, 
you're you're talking about like how first movement as your medicine like you hit me square in the gut with that because you and I talked about this before we ever started recording that I, I had a very similar experience I'm I'm an athlete still and in movement I have understood it really has a deep connection to my ability to manage any mental health issues that I face and also being able to understand finding balance with all of the other parts that you just talked about too, is that mm -hmm. it is when you do a lot of movement, regardless of the type, you develop this connection to your body and space that I think mm -hmm. calls you to balance. I mm -hmm. Maybe I'm saying something bold there. What do you think? Absolutely. And there's so many different ways to be in your body with movement. And I was growing up, it was all endurance sports and it mm. was really exhilarating and, and managed a lot, but it also brought its own pressures. Mm. And so I would say that during that time of my life, that really connected me to the power of my body as an athlete, but not necessarily the pleasure of my body, which is what yoga and some of my own pleasure reclamation has mm. helped to bring in. So now in my life, depending on the day and what I need and what my body's asking for, someday it is something more intense, like a cardio or a cross country ski or something. And some days it is, it's more of a dance or a, a yoga mm. or some energy work or massage. I know we were talking about that too. So it's really about putting together that toolbox that works for you and your body. I, I, you know, I can't sit here and tell other people exactly what they need that we're all the expert of ourselves. Once we know how, yes. of course, to have that bodyfulness and embodied mindfulness. Oh my goodness. Seriously. Like you just, <laughs> again, like Rachel, we just need to hang out and drink tea and well, probably wine and then we'll say wine. a lot of things. That we'll we have our own retreat. Record. Yes. I like it. I, I, I this is something I talk to my clients about a lot. What does it mean to shift your mind around movement and the, the cultural expectation difference between like the diet industry and the fitness industry and the, the hustle push? What is, how do you shift your mind to finding joy in movement and using movement as a way to connect directly to yourself, the balance you need rather than trying to achieve something. Mm -hmm, right. Yes. I think that's a big distinction is not, it needs to not be so outcome oriented, even though we're also talking about there being a positive outcome, but mm -hmm. the more that we have things in our life in which we are in the flow and in the experience and not mm -hmm. focused on the outcome and can be, that's what playfulness is. And that's what different yeah. flow states are when we're really in our senses, the more it's enjoyable, the more it's pleasurable and the more we come back to it again. So if we're going to movement from the outside in, because media magazines, a coach told us we need to burn calories or mm. contort our shape, that doesn't sound that pleasurable, right? That is, yeah. that's more of a willfulness and we need willfulness, uh, you know, and in, in balance, but that isn't going, it's a very different experience than when we more from the body up, listen to what we need and let that release and that outer form follow from that, which I recognize as adults, we forgot how to do. Our kids are very good at it. And yes. uh, so it's like a retraining of listening to the body and then letting that more organic, you know, movement and body connection happen for our emotional health and clarity, as opposed to it being about that outer form. I mean, that's a, that's can be a nice side benefit is that maybe we like how we fit in our clothes better or whatnot. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah. really it's about feeling how we feel in our body and feeling more magnetic. Um, Ooh, feeling more magnetic. I'm yeah. just going to sit with that for a second. Cause that's an, mm -hmm. that's an interesting way to put it. I, I actually, 
think you're you're on to something about what our children can teach us here. And I think we're at a place in culture too, that we're actually having to reap what we've sown in that when we have only focused on production, that we're all starting to reject that in some way, shape or form, in some domain of life, whether it's uh, work, whether it's in our bodies, whether it's in that we're, we're starting to, as a culture, wake up to like, oh no, this has been poisoning us in some way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that, you're talking about, yeah, like, or, or just how many of us here in the, in the behavioral health field, how many eating disorders have we seen as a result of production or creating and distorting the frame, creating a, a very specific fantasy with our bodies? Like mm-hmm. I think we're we're having to we're having to look at our children and go, okay, we fucked this up. How do we do this again? Yeah, a lot of disorder eating because food is one of our first most primal relationships. It's always right there. It's I mean it's its own form of of uh, contributing to regulation, but for for better or for worse, I think it's all about our intention too. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll I I will emotionally eat, but I'm usually pretty conscious of it, and then it's mm-hmm. pretty contained, and so. I'll see how the food might be regu- regulating me, but I also recognize that that isn't making the problem go away or, or it's used in a way that's about nourishment right. as well. But yeah, I think all genders, non-binary, male, female, there's just such an increase mm-hmm. yeah, in eating disorders or in body image issues. Yeah. Uh, used to be mainly kind of upper middle-class uh, females, <laughs> but yes, this focus on the performative nature of our lives and that's like maybe a whole nother show as well as well but it does take (laughs) us out of our body and it's all about the external and outer form and that's you know both of us as as uh, sex therapists you know I think we both recognize too how if we overly focus on this performative aspect in the bedroom that's not pleasurable either no look at you get us like you just beautiful beautiful transition to our next question like you you do write about like specifically how disconnected we are from our bodies, but also the pleasure piece, which was in that first question. But what does it mean to reconnect to, because pleasure might be too much of an open nerve, right? Like that might not be our first stop as reconnection with the body because pleasure might be a little scary. Mm-hmm. Like what do, what do you find? Where's a good place to begin when you're trying to come back to the body and come back to pleasure specifically? Yes, yes. Because, yeah, the word pleasure, even the moments of pleasure are really what lead to joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, joy and happiness is pretty undisputed. But pleasure is not only on a collective level been really reduced to just sex, which can be triggering. But mm-hmm. uh, it's something a lot of us have. We have associations that it's naughty or indulgent uh, or we're just more familiar with the struggle and the striving and the disconnection. So to back to your question, though, I think where do we start with these components and how does connection to the body and pleasure all, you know, how does that connect it? Well, I think that both our body and pleasure practices are really a big part of our life force energy and they're both healing Mm. and they they're yet we don't know what to do with these energies or or these Mm. aspects of our humanness and life force-ness. And so how to start when I work with clients, I've, 
find out in the beginning through just the initial paperwork and talking with them what is their existing relationship to their body and and what sort of traumas both in their life and intergenerational traumas have maybe uh, been blocks to mm-hmm. being in their body or how it's imprinted some of the ways they react and show up in the world with their body and also uh, systemic issues because mm-hmm. of body marginalization so there's a lot of that background to find out where they're at but you know I, I I really start with every session starts with a guided meditation that is both breathing, but then also going through the senses, also bringing maybe um, sort of one breath, one movement, sort of a flow. So really gentle movement. People aren't you know needing to worry about sweating this and that, mm-hmm. but sometimes even just that can be triggering, but really encouraging people also to be outside to mm. just, um, notice their body temperature, their right side versus their left side, areas of their body that's really helping them and showing up for them that day. And Mm. then the areas that maybe are doing the best they can, but they're struggling and how to give some compassion there. I also encourage healing touch. So bring our own physical hands to our, you know, our neck or those areas, auditory release. These are, I I mean, I guess I could go on, but those are some of the Mm things I would start with and everybody's sort of different with their comfort level. And so we both as clinicians have to use our intuition around that and going at a pace that isn't too fast. Yeah. I hear that common thread you're weaving that our senses and most of us are familiar maybe with the five, (laughs) but that there is a little bit more to that. And I can hear you interweaving the idea that it may just be coming back to one of them at first. It might be coming back to just touching your own body. And we're not even talking about sexual pleasure yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are just talking about that reconnection with Mm -hmm. being here in it. Yeah. And also I, I like to help people see the ways that they can be, they have agency to soothe themselves because Mm. so often So often part of why pleasure is tricky is because we'll turn to outside pleasures as distractions from Mm -hmm. our own discomfort. And what if we had resources within an agency within to soothe that then didn't cause the secondary problem of, you know, the stomach ache from eating too much or the Mm -hmm. headache from drinking too much. So things like bringing our hands to our own body and softening our jaw with our hands or rubbing into our shoulders. Again, it's not even about sexual pleasure so much as it's about pleasures in the form of self-soothing and regulation mm-hmm. and, and balance and to feel good for its own sake. Just like, oh, that feels, that feels nice to rub my neck. Ah, you know. <laughs> I, I, I think you're, we could just be here on, on what you just said about that you have agency within yourself. And something that struck me when you were talking, my brain was like, and you don't have to buy any of that shit. Like, right. <laughs> it's kind of like, counter capitalism right like it's it's fantastic that oh wait you do have some things built into you that you don't have to buy from anybody to be able to regulate the emotional self in addition to that physical experience of the emotional self right it's sort of like screw capitalism screw the patriarchy (laughs) it's all within within ourselves it does require though something that a lot of us uh, Americans maybe don't like, which is practice and work. So we always want that quick yeah. fix. You know, you can feel amazing in three quick steps, life hack this, life hack that. And mm-hmm. so I will say that, I mean, it's, it's a lot of what also I, I, I'm 
making assumptions here about your work, but I think we both are in this business of helping people with understand that yes, change is possible, but it's, yes. you can't get out of overnight what maybe it took a lifetime to get into. It just requires Absolutely. some work and practice, but that's okay. I, I do actually I tend to be a little bit like, let's flip the table on some of the cultural shit because I do think that there's something to what you're saying. I think, yes, as Americans, we tend to be want things now, but I also think that there's been a machine in place. Listen to me uh, again. I sound like my hippie self that I am, but that there has been a machine in place since before I was born for damn sure that has tried to make it seem as if there was a quick fix, especially mm -hmm. those of us who were born in the late, late seventies, eighties and nineties. Like we've been marketed since we marketed to, since we could breathe. And mm -hmm. when we start pushing our people to look inside it does. It does have kind of like a, it is a, a rebellious act. And I think there's something to that. Well, and yeah. And I think of also uh, for people who identify as female and who are socialized as female, mm -hmm. it is a rebellious or revolutionary act to love your body, like your body, appreciate your body, to own yes. the pleasures of your body, whether it be mm -hmm. sexual and or of in other pleasures, and to to have body boundaries and to have that authenticity and magnetism because and the patriarchy has gaslighted us to that that's not okay and other women can also feel threatened. And so it, that's its own act of rebellion. We all have our inner rebel and I would love for people to channel it there if they feel like they aren't <laughs> connected to their body. That's right. I this episode is definitely I'm going to have to schedule this episode for January because th there's a incredible example, not incredible good, but a a huge example of the next cuz we're recording this we're in December right now, but we're recording this right before the inundation of lose the pandemic 20. We're going to start seeing the diet industry like come at us hard in with ads, with programs, with books, with all of this shit to make you feel like your body, that they might know your body and it what it needs more than you do. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Gosh, yeah. Huge industry based on our not enoughness. <laughs> <laughs> right. So let's let's rebel against that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, definitely gonna this episode. Y'all, you're in, listening to this now in January. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Flag every ad you see. Be a rebel. Be come back to your body. Mm -hmm. So, see all the ways you are enough. <laughs> Take right. up space. So, I am curious, like, what, what this, not maybe, maybe not only just your, your, the education you've gone through, but, your own practices. You, you've already said like there's there, this is a practice every single day. What is it taught about? What has it taught you about your own life and maybe your own connection with pleasure? Well, I think among all things, I am a creature that yeah wants balance. I guess we all, we all are. And I, but that is something that I'm always so cognizant of. And um, probably because I have gone to extremes. I think mm -hmm. that I grew up a perfectionist. I've, I've been calling myself mm -hmm. a recovering perfectionist, but quite honestly, writing and marketing my book really thrust me back into being one. And, and I saw these signs. I, so I've been, that's an example of how it's been a practice for me to mm -hmm. notice. I mean, talk about really being in your head mm -hmm. um, to be a perfectionist and to be so focused on these things outside of myself as mm -hmm. um, you know, validity or worth or to reassure me. 
so for me, my practice is, you know, I, I figured out what my sort of bodily non-negotiables are that if I go without, I'm mm. just sort of a reactive mess. <laughs> um, Body non-negotiable. Now I got to hear what these are. Well, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess we all figure out what our non-negotiables are. So those things that are so essential to our, our regulation self-care. And so for me, movement, so having mm-hmm. almost every day, well, really every day, but you know, you have those moments where you just, you need rest, but having mm-hmm. something every day that is really more, um, really unleashing my body and releasing it and, and moving it dynamically, mm-hmm. uh, sleep. That's actually the hardest one for me mm-hmm. to, uh, I believe in it so much, but to really prioritize that. And then, uh, I mean, the third third one is really about just genuine, authentic connection and community since I'm an extrovert are sort of my pleasure and balance non-negotiables. So, but to the question you asked, I guess that's, I'm always trying to see, you know, am I connecting to my body today? Uh, mm-hmm. Am I getting stuck in my head? Am I getting stuck in those perfectionist storylines that my mind mm-hmm. creates? And to let the truth of my body be that raw data of what I really need and where and what where I can let go. Because I think with perfectionism, it's it's a gripping, it's a clinging, it's a striving. And so that mm. like Buddhist idea of sort of the non-attachment letting go, I I try to, I've been trying to sprinkle that in a little bit more. The raw data of what the body is telling you it needs. Mm-hmm. That just that you you hit this recovering uh, perfectionist right where, <laughs> where it's like I, you are absolutely on to the to something here. I can I can talk about how this hits personally. Like I definitely like when I when I hit those edges of where I'm growing, whether it's professionally or personally, and it's that's when that that perfectionism does creep up. But it again like that idea of what is my body telling me that is actually real? What's actually happening? Or is this a script or is this a narrative? Is this a story? Yep. And what's, I think is amazing is that why I really like to champion some of the sort of the bodyfulness and and ways of bringing in the body is that it's not that I'm anti mind uh, to help us cope and have insights and, and yeah. well-being, but sometimes we need a more of a body-up approach, and sometimes we need a, a more of a mind-down, top-down approach. And an example would be: I was just talking with a client yesterday who uh, was was carjacked at gunpoint, and mm. so we talked about how whenever she's back in a f- similar space of where it, it happened, and mm-hmm. her body actually is going to be time traveling, and 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 the trauma mm-hmm. will be reactive, even though her mind, you know, might be like, "No, I'm back at my home. It's daylight. I'm safe." So mm-hmm. in that situation. It would be more of her mind needing to say, no, I reorient. Here I am. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to I'm going to feel my feet on the ground, um, mm-hmm. sort of help the body come into the here and now because it's trying to protect her. Mm-hmm. And then there are times where we need to really have maybe the, the mind is going in some tailspin where it, it is mm-hmm. yeah, caught in some sort of storyline. And then the, the soothing of the body and the nervous system is really what needs to happen first before we can go back into the mind refreshed and have more of a balanced way of, of seeing it or recognize that we are safe. Uh, so it's, it's it takes practice and it's sort of nuanced, but obviously they're always working together. The mind and the body, they're always in communication with each other. It's just that we tend to often leave the body out. I, you're, you're talking about a dialogue. You're talking about being able to listen to which one is either driving or needs to take a back seat. 
<laughs> you, yeah. it is it's a it is a conversation that you were describing it is not one it's not one directional right a dialogue yes and and when we think about our work as relationship and sex therapists and and mm -hmm. another example would be you know a client who mentally she knew that this fella was not what was going to be helpful for her, not what she wanted in a relationship, mm -hmm. but, but she kept sleeping with them and talk mm -hmm. about all that oxytocin that was generated. So her Ooh, body yeah. had a different agenda. The body wanted in this just really primal attachment sort of way, wanted yeah. that, that oxytocin and that touch, even though her mind said, no, this isn't healthy for me. So it's, you know, it's, it's interesting how we can have these sort of different brains, so to speak within us, and they have different paces and different needs and yeah. so when we integrate the the head, heart, gut, groin, brains all together, gosh, then we really have yeah, more clarity, are more true to ourselves and what we do and don't need. But it's a practice. It's a practice, <laughs> people. It's a freaking practice. I know y'all hate it. I know y'all hate it. Mm -hmm. I hate it sometimes too. Rachel, to be honest, there are times mm -hmm. when I get up and I'm like, I'm tired. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. The inner but child. You, it totally like, and I think, but you talked about you, you we mentioned rest. We kind of walked quite past it quick. I do think it might be helpful to end on what is the importance of rest and, and what can it do to that conversation between the mind and the body? Yeah. Uh, rest. I think of how America is not the only place that has this hustle, hustle culture, but we certainly, while we prioritize productivity way My over goodness. rest, I mean, mm -hmm. people, people will call themselves lazy and be so hard on themselves for just not giving themselves rest in different forms or, or really knowing other forms of rest besides sleep, mm -hmm. what is restorative to them. So, you know, it, it can be, it can be co-regulation with others and how they soothe us. And that can feel sort of restorative. Um, it can be nature. Of course it can be, you know, uh, closing our eyes, meditating, sleeping, but it's, it requires saying no to the shoulds, mm -hmm. to the to-do list, to all the noise, all the dings, all the expectations. Um, and, and also the other thing is our nervous system. We need more than a weekend. We often oh, even need yeah. more than a week when people go on a vacation. Notice mm -hmm. how a lot of times it's like that last day, it's on day six or seven that they finally really have melted and then they have to <laughs> already go and get back at it. So rest sometimes really especially we're talking more about burnout lately too. I think mm -hmm. um, some people really need to recognize that deep rest to reclaim uh, restoration, full body, whole body restoration takes a while. It does. Mm -hmm. It takes time. Yes, we can, there are things that we can do to actively rest, like the, the moving our bodies in the way that maybe brings us joy. We can like interrupt the stress cycle, but sometimes it, takes significant amounts of time. And I, I think, especially after two years of a pandemic, we're what it's not every single one of my clients that comes back from vacation, they're like, it's just not enough. And I'm like, what, what are you doing with that information? That, mm. that information is for you. And what does that mean? What does that information about this not being enough rest? mean mm -hmm. and how could you get more if it's possible that's that mm -hmm. is a struggle that i think we're running into now especially with the expense of life at this point yeah um it, and the it, more rest difficult. yeah 
I was going to just add that also the more that we give ourselves permission to have rest, mm -hmm. I think then the more that we naturally can play or be enjoyable to mm -hmm. be around. And, and if we think of this idea of pleasure to the people, um, I love, I love to talk about the research that I did that showed how when we're able to play collectively, whether it be going to a music concert or a, a, mm -hmm. a yoga class that's fun together or some sort of, you know, group activity, you know, dancing, singing, hiking, all of these things, it really compounds, it adds to our pleasure, of course, but also our sense of altruism and uh, mm -hmm. compassion for others. And so when I think of pleasure to the people, I think of how, you know, how can we own it and give ourselves permission within our own self and then, you know, find ways to share that with others, obviously now safely given we're still um, in this space of, dealing with, with the pandemic, but, um, that that's powerful. That's a powerful sort of pleasure and community building and mm -hmm. helps with all how divisive things are. Yeah. That just absolutely. Like we can see each other. We can see the humanness in one another. Mm -hmm. yeah, beautifully, beautifully put. So how I, you know, Rachel, I could talk to you forever, <laughs> but how, how do these lovely humans find you in this world? Well, I don't even know if I mentioned the name of my book, but that's what I'm I'm all about these days. It's called The Pleasure is All Yours, Reclaim Your Body's Bliss and Reignite Your Passion for Life. Mm. Um, so notice I'm saying reclaim, reignite. So, hey, it already exists within you. It just it, it gets buried, of course. But so that book is pretty much available right now where most books are sold and through my publisher, Shambhala, and Amazon and whatnot. Um, and then I, I have my website. DrRachelAllen.com, Allen with a Y. I don't know why. That's just the way my family spells it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then my Instagram is also Dr. Rachel Allen. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, folks. Everything you just heard will be in the show notes. It will be easily found. Rachel, you are a lovely human being. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Erica. I know. Well, we've got to have part two and three and four and five and continue this later at some point. Yes, I absolutely agree. I, Our yeah. wellness retreat with wine. Oh, yeah. I, it's Friday. We're recording this on a Friday. Yeah. It's tempted me big time, y'all. Folks, thanks for sticking around to the end. We will see you next time.